You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. Mark Thielman, you are running for governor in Oregon, and I'm so excited to have you on the Dr. Tina Show. Would you please introduce yourself for my audience? Well, I'm Mark Thielman, and I'm a school, public school superintendent now running for governor, and I'm most known as the guy who kept his school open during COVID without any cases traced to the classroom all school year and warred with the government, and I'm also the guy who took a position on masking and ended masking in schools effectively or contributed greatly to that, of course. And, uh, and for that, I am uh, um, on the naughty list with Governor Brown. And uh, so I'm running for governor because we need real leadership. We need a complete um, gut and, and stuff, so to speak, of, uh, of the approach that government has been taking. Uh, no more overreach. And then we need to really open up um, uh, our minds and our hearts to a much more vibrant uh, future, uh, a future of good economics and a future also uh, of good healthcare and personal responsibility and taking responsibility of our health. I think we saw that in COVID that people are now saying, you know what, um, I'm not sure I want the government telling me what shot to get in and that I might lose my job if I don't get that. So, so all those are, uh, is the context for what brought us together. Here. Yes. Yes. Nope. I, I too am probably on Governor Brown's naughty list. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, I'm really excited to talk to you because what's closest to my heart in all of this is one basic sciences have been completely denied and obliterated throughout this process. And it's at first, it, well, it's been continuously infuriating for me, but most importantly, it's been heartbreaking to watch just basic sciences, basic biology that we learned in high school be completely mm -hmm. disregarded. It's been frustrating to watch Oregon specifically descend. There's a lot of political things going on. There's Antifa. There's so many factors to this. Watching my city that I used to, you know, I went to Portland State University. I lived in downtown Portland. I, I used to wander around Portland in my combat boots and mm -hmm. I was a little punk rock girl um, to watch my city just fall into disarray. I drove home from the airport the other day and just wanted to cry. I drove through the city yesterday on the way back from North Portland out to the country and just garbage everywhere, homeless camps. I mean, literal camps. People don't realize this isn't just tents. People are building structures and pulling their cars up onto the sides of the road and entire homeless encampments. Uh, the Some of the roads look like beyond Thunderdome, you know, with the oh. RVs. <laughs> it's I shouldn't laugh. I laugh because it makes me so frustrated to see my city fall to this, to see the way that our government locally and statewide has just succumbed to these political and military facts, like militant factions, really just, and I'm, I'm, I'm also on Antifa's naughty list. Mm -hmm. It's been frustrating. And then to see the medical professionals fall into rank with these mandates, which in my opinion, I mean, bottom line, this vaccine does not stop transmission. And why the hell would you have a mandate for something that doesn't stop transmission? That the messaging that's going on of do it for grandma, do it to save whomever. The only person this vaccine protects maybe is the person using the vaccine. And so all of that has led me to a place of frustration. And when I met you and had a conversation with you recently, I was so excited to find out that and I can't speak for you, but it seems like we're holding similar frustrations in a lot of ways. Uh, just yeah. the disregard of common sense overall. 
Yeah, well, and then, you know, you just said it right there. So, you know, you you have a proclivity for making sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it's political. And that's what I want people to understand. It does not make sense to push this vaccine and to continue pushing it. The vaccine is now a political symbol. The mask has become a political symbol. Um, it's not about whether they are efficacious or whether they work. It's about compliance to the ideology it's about compliance to the group. And the thing is, uh, that is not what our country is founded on. On the contrary, it's the reason we warred against the British for our independence. Okay, the British said you have to comply to the, with the king. And compliance was more important than individual thought and free speech or governing ourselves. And in the colonies, we were used to governing ourselves. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm just calling them like I see them. Um, and that was the real reason the revolution was fought, is that we wanted to determine for ourselves in the colonies our futures. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, we chose to do it as a united group of colonies, which later became states. And we had this incredible uh, um, uh, republic, uh, uh, an experiment in a democratic republic, if you will, that has been the, the one holdout in an entire world of tyranny. And people need to understand that this issue with medicine and medical freedom, medical rights, is as important as our original war with the British for independence. We're talking about who owns you in your body, who owns your mind and your thoughts. Um, it, we are coming to that place, and, and it's a culture war that we have to win because it's a good versus evil thing. And I think that's why you're frustrated. You know, you, you, you grew up in a Portland that was quote weird, but open. Yes. Right. Yes. I was always, I was the weird, I was the weird freedom fighting kid, you know, running around Portland and and Portland now is the, let's follow all the rules and, and hail. Oh Lord. Safetyism. Everything's about safetyism, which is a made up construct. Well, and what's fascinating is, you know, um, these are the very people who legalized hard drugs, okay? But but they don't want you to determine what gets injected in your body, <laughs> okay? But but yet you can inject hard drugs into your body. That's okay. In public. In public. On, on the max on, line in front of children. Or or as my TikTok video showed, the hypodermic needle right out in front of Multnomah County Courthouse. Mm-hmm. See? And broken glass and cigarette butts and joint butts and, you know, all cleaned up just in time for Joe Biden. And so the thing is, look, it's it's a it's a false narrative that our current leadership uh, in in this state government wants us to believe. And it's it it's not only uh, wrong, it's evil. And, and I'll say it again. This is what's evil about it. Um, they are basically saying we'll let you know what decisions you can make about you and your body. Mm-hmm. See, and we can define the body as we have a, we're all born. We are genetically distinct from each other. And therefore we have proclivities for some things and not proclivities for other because our genes are different, which is why we need a healthcare system that's diverse and one that's open. And uh, that allows individual people to have a relationship with their healthcare uh, provider, AKA their doctor or their naturopath. And we don't have that right now. We don't, we, it's been frustrating because I don't know, and I don't want to badmouth the Oregon Health Authority, and I don't want to badmouth any medical boards in Oregon, for one, because I don't want to get in trouble, but two, I have not been in their position. I do understand that trying to lead 
through a pandemic has got to be a level of difficulty that I couldn't comprehend. And so I don't want to pretend to have stood in their shoes and criticize. I do want to know where the information's coming from and what medical studies they're reading. Cause apparently they're not the same ones I'm reading. Yeah. And, and I I'd like, I'd like to know how to get a conversation with these people to have this conversation in person and ask governor Brown, ask who's running the Oregon health authority. Where is this data coming from? And then to see a federal mandate, it's been so confusing to me because I have t-shirts. I'll send you one. They literally say it does not stop transmission. So it makes no sense. It's a leaky vaccine that has basically the, the, and I've covered this in past podcasts with all the studies linked. We are looking at an efficacy rate of maybe 8% at this point against this variant. This vaccine is not working against this variant. This vaccine was built for a legacy virus that is no longer in circulation and it's still being forced upon us. And that part has got me wondering the the political slant there, which you can speak to or not if you want to. I just want to throw it out there. There's something deeper here. This is not about a virus anymore. Um, And how this all turned into a social justice movement in Portland that's involving Antifa and why none of that was ever even shown on the media around the country. I was getting attacked throughout the pandemic on Instagram, people saying, I was showing videos of what was happening in Portland and people were saying, that's not happening. And I'm like, do you live here? Have you driven through it? Do you see that it looks like Beirut or a third world country at this point? Have you seen the fires? Have you, you know, have you been any part of this? And then to see your video the other day on Instagram showing what was happening in past months, I cried when I watched it because it's been so frustrating to be gaslit when you're a citizen who lives in the state where it's happening and you have footage of it. And then the whole world saying that's made up. You're a white supremacist. I mean, that's literally the world I've been living in. That's fascinating. If you think about it, that's made up. You're a white supremacist. Um, the the thing about it is, is, you know, we've gotten into this uh, ideologue time of, of the use of, of, of it's, it's an ideologue issue. So what I'm saying is it's an icon, you know, um, you're good if you do and believe these things and you're bad if you don't. And those things aren't defined. So we don't, you know, we don't even know, we don't define equity, we don't define virtue, we don't define public safety, we don't define uh, even what works. And, and again, the reason that nothing is defined is so that you can have coercion and control. In other words, you can't argue with the wind, or you can't control it, you don't, you can't grab onto it and hold it. And, and it's a, it's a political tool that's used. Well, you just didn't understand what I meant by equity or how dare you countermand Antifa because they're the good guys because they're standing up for social justice. And um, the, the reality of it is, is that's fine. That stance though collides with the COVID policy. I mean, let me give you an example of how crazy this is. The Biden administration at the start of the Ukraine uh, conflict with Russia, right? The war, they were worried about a uh, nuclear war breaking out in Europe. Remember all that? Mm-hmm. So Joe Biden resurrected the 1970s DevCon system, and he sent out a press release that was covered by a fair amount of media, but immediately dropped, and for obvious reasons, because they modified it to say, when you're in your fallout shelter, okay, this is what a nuclear bomb is, this is what it does, here's our recommendations for you to survive. You know, if you survive the initial explosion, you go into a shelter or you get behind concrete and it explained all that. And then it said, and make sure you stay six feet away from someone else in your shelter. <laughs> now, 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 let's just think about that on a rational basis. If there is a nuclear conflict, do you think COVID is going to be the primary concern for people? 
It's, like, it's that's it, politics. Yeah, it's politics. It really is. And to see that's it to see medicine become politicized to this level. It's always been politicized off camera. We were talking about, you know, the Flexner report and uh, Rockefeller and all of the things that were done to medicine years and decades ago and how medicine has basically been bastardized. But to see the frank politicalization of it in, in this day and age and to see common sense completely fly out the window, I realize I have. I have privilege in my education. I have a biology degree. Basic. I mean, I up until let's put it this way, up until the last quarter of school at U of O, I had a biology degree, and then I switched to general sciences very quickly and got out of school. I understand biology very well, and I understand biological systems. You have a biology background. You and I both compared notes on how we were seeing discrepancies coming out on a state and national level from the beginning, and the frustration that it caused us. And you said it perfectly we're being lied to mm-hmm. and we've been lied to. And then to see the mass hypnosis occur where everybody just bought into it. And then to see political figures, doctors, scientists buy into it, or maybe they're buying into it because they're scared to speak out. I think that might actually be more of the situation than not. I think there's, there's concern, this tribalism, right? We're, we're seeing a lot of tribalism occurring, but to see good doctors and those of us who stand in our conviction and try to speak the truth, be vilified, be called names, have our license at risk. That's the part where we are now standing on very shaky ground as a, as a human race, in my opinion. And then to yep. see mandates over something that's not even protecting anyone else, but the end user. If you want to do something to feel safe, great. If you want to put on eight masks and hide out and vaccinate yourself and, you know, boost your immune system to dust, go for it, but I'll be fine. I'm going to be fine over here. And I live in a country where hopefully I can still make that choice. Well, sure. But see, we're losing those freedoms slowly and precipitously. And it's, it is, uh, to me, it has to be purposeful. And, um, but the people that are imposing this kind of, of um, uh, tyranny, if you will, I think that's a good word, overreach. Uh, The people that are making the rules for us, the leaders that we are electing, which now there's even concern about the integrity of that, um, that, you know, these, these people are, are not telling you the, the straight up, they're not being honest with you. And the reason is, is they can't be honest with you because they're all part of some kind of collective ideology. See, in other words, it's not that individually they're unintelligent people. They're very intelligent people. They're not allowed to use that intelligence to talk about truth because there is no objective truth in the ideology of progressive uh, woke Democrats. Truth is relative. It is something that we, the people in charge, define. Well, that is not the way we as human beings are wired. You know this as, an, as a person who's been a naturopathic in naturopathic care that every individual is different and they have an energy and they, they have a set of indices, uh, you know, based on their own health profile and you modify supports for them based on their individual profile. And that's, that's the beauty of naturopathic uh, doctors. You know, I mean, I, you and I talked about how I was, I got discovered naturopathic care and I'm a big fan because I see it working for me and my health and my life and, and my regimen is different than, than my wife's because we're different. And so the, the beauty of that is, is to me, that's empowering. See, I'm like, wow, the, you know, the naturopath says, hey, these are the things you do if you have these issues. And then we see how they work. And then we modify based on what we see. 
Well, uh, notice we're looking and engaging in a process of data. And, you know, we, we introduce stuff, we get data on that, we modify and we try to find what works. That's not the way this system works at all. The way is we've defined already what the outcome should be. Right. This should be the response to this medicated res- regimen we're going to give you. And if reality says otherwise, like vaccine injured and myocarditis and all this <laughs> Let's just they normalize look at you. the myocarditis, right? Yeah, they look at you and they go, these are not the droids you're looking for. It had nothing <laughs> to do with the shot. It's insane. Okay, it this really is what we're looking at. So the, the thing is, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on it, but um, it's a relationship that we're talking about and one mm-hmm. that people are losing confidence in. And here's why. I'll tell you why. Nobody, and you and I have said this before, I've never met anybody on the campaign trail. And you know, I ask this question everywhere I go. You know, I always say in groups of people, raise your hand if you like being lied to. I've never had a hand come up to this day. Even with Antifa, they don't raise their hand. And so the the comedy of it is, is we are human beings obviously don't like being lied to. In every culture and every continent, by the way. Did you know that? Oh, I would assume, yes. That's a it's it's the one absolute truth of human beings. Nobody wants to be lied to, at least not knowingly. And uh, the, the beauty of it is, is that means we have an affinity for the truth. So the truth can be seen because when we hear it, it makes sense. And then when we see it working in our lives, <laughs> like you said, with your analogy in Portland, uh, what do you mean this isn't happening? Do you want me to believe your narrative or my own eyes? Right. <laughs> you said that, it. Wild, wild. You know, I'll tell you something just off topic. There was a there were a few large Instagram accounts that ha- that came after me. They were MDs or other medical professions and more in the allopathic side of things. And they came in hard out of nowhere and they would do what's called doxing. They basically blow your account up on their account and then have all of their followers come in and attack you. And so I was, it felt like war, Mark. I mean, I was, I was hanging in there. I, I vowed on day one of the pandemic, I smelled that it was off. I believe there's a virus. I believe people were dying from it. I believe it's real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that that is heart. It's heartbreaking what has what has transpired. But I also knew that we were being lied to. I mm-hmm. could tell immediately. Well, the minute they said that it was droplets and not aerosols, I was like, mm. <laughs> "You're Bingo. all gonna, you're all gonna get the virus, you guys. Everybody's gonna get exposed. Why are they lying?" And the minute that happened, I vowed to show up on Instagram every day and hold the lines truth. That was it. That was all I promised myself and my followers. These big accounts would come in yesterday. A blog post was written by a journalist who actually invests. So these accounts have mysteriously disappeared over the past two years. I'm still there. But these big, big accounts of these supposed in the trenches, ICU doctors who were treating patients and wearing four masks and, you know, venting patients. I mean, they really had some very extensive stories, but then in other photos, they'd be laying there in their bikini, looking relaxed, selling, you know, being an influencer. And these accounts have all mysteriously disappeared. And yesterday uh, on Substack, a blog post came out by a journalist. She investigated one of them who has also mysteriously disappeared. This woman basically was a complete farce and a shill. And she broke down why. Uh, I have it on good measure that another one of them that came after me was a definite shill from the left. So these were plants. These were people that were paid off and planted to be pro-vaccine and lie and also attack us. The the last account that went down, she had a tweet that said, if you saw the look on a child's face after they knew that they, after their grandparents have died, after they knew that they gave them COVID, 
please get your children vaccinated, which is the biggest lie I've ever heard. Children have virtually zero risk of dying from COVID. The vaccine does not stop transmission. So little Johnny at five years old getting vaccinated and being at high potential risk for myocarditis does not protect grandma. Um, this is what's been transpiring. And I'm only saying this because I want the world to know that these were shills. These were yeah. planted, paid off shills. And this is what I, this, when it was happening though, in real time, I was like, what the hell is going on? This is lunacy. And then at the same time, my city was literally on fire. I mean, what was it? A hundred days of yep. riots? Yeah. Just went and on and on. My heart was breaking because I, Ask my parents. I am a Portland girl, tried and true. Mm -hmm. I, I I look like a Portland girl. <laughs> and when people see me, they're like, "You are obviously from Portland." Um, mm -hmm. It just was breaking my heart concurrently while I was watching medicine just crumble and be destroyed from the inside. And so that's where my frustration is lied. And to watch my local government participate most heartily in it. I really don't understand what Kate Brown's strategy was because my biggest concern as a biology you know, I won't say expert, but I have a pretty good handle on biology is the fact that if you lock down a society initially and they get no exposure, like we're seeing in Australia currently, they get no immune response at all. Right. So you get no kind of herd immunity whatsoever because there's no exposure. Oregon was locked down so hard early on. I looked at my husband and I said, the minute they open up every single time they open up, we're going to see cases explode. I realize we're past that now because we've had some periods of openness and some unmasking. But initially, do you remember that? Every time yep. they opened up, things would explode. And they said, oh my goodness, cases are up. We got to drop things down. And I'm like, this is not correlating with hospitalizations and deaths, which you, I would like you to speak on. And that's exactly what you would expect when a population has no natural immunity to mm -hmm. an organism, right? So that's my long rant. No, it's a good rant. Well, <laughs> remember that the system always leaves breadcrumbs is uh, when it's being disingenuous, you know, and you, you alluded to that. So just so people understand that, um, you know, I was in a war to keep my school open and the government kept making the rules more constrictive. And um, I mean, it got to the point where, you know, I was, con you know, partly convinced that it had to be personal. Like this is a personal hit on this school because we're the, we're the K-12 school that's been open and, and we've had no cases for months and uh, this is not convenient for the narrative, right? And so um, when they changed the metrics and said, we're now going to get rid of Safe Harbor, which was the, uh, the one little exception that was allowed for small districts of 250 or schools of 250 kids or less, which means any school could have had 250 kids in it operating at any time statewide. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And under Safe Harbor. And uh, so I was like, wait a minute, why would you get rid of Safe Harbor? Because uh, the rule was, it, once you're open under Safe Harbor, you you don't you can't be closed. You even if your cases go up, you know you can stay open and you can you can try to manage things unless you close yourself will you know willingly. So uh, they had to get rid of that rule, so they did, and then it would it, you know the the statewide metric said that uh, Al C school district would have to close um, after the first week in January coming back from winter break. So I saw that coming. And so I looked at the OHA data and it was real obvious what the problem was. I mean, it was just apparent. It was abundantly clear. So I noticed that hospitalizations and death uh, from the end of October all the way in through November continued to go just slightly down, just on a very shallow decline. But case counts were doubling 100% every week. And this carried up through past the November election and in towards Thanksgiving. Remember that? Nobody mm -hmm. can come over to your house for Thanksgiving. Remember all that? 
And uh, and then I noticed that that it can the cases continued to climb exponentially in terms of identified cases. And then they announced that that because of masking, there was no flu. Right. Of course, because that just disappears magically. Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, I was having employees who were very sick and they were testing negative for COVID. Yeah. And I kept telling them, you have the flu. Nope, there is no flu. They said, I mean, this is insane. And sure enough, finally, I got one of the the four employees to go to the doctor because they wanted, they were a woke person. They were going to prove me wrong. And they went and got a flu test. And guess what they had? (laughs) The flu. They had the flu. And uh, it's a miracle. See? And so the thing is, I was telling my employees the truth. Yes, I understand that flu cases are supposedly disappeared, but actually they're calling them COVID. No, I've got a PCR test. Well, the PCR test sometimes can even identify flu as COVID. It couldn't differentiate. But because um, what you find out was that the PCR test did differentiate to some degree, but uh, any 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 county uh, healthcare person could identify COVID with one symptom. Right. That's what no one talked about. Symptomology is allowed in the diagnostic process. And that's what no one talked about. So you come in with a sniffle or a cough or a fever or any of the above, and we'll just call you COVID. Yeah. And so the the thing is, the the problem was, is that they didn't think it through in OHA because county health departments were using a porthole that had no security. Anybody, I even added my own COVID case. I think I shared that with you uh, just to see if, if anybody in their dog could add a COVID case. And guess what? There was no, there was no security or chain of custody at all. However, hospitals used a different portal, and I discovered that in my research working with some people that were much smarter than I. And um, uh, and obviously, when I made a COVID case and then printed it off and put it on Facebook, that that became problematic for the government. And uh, and so, as it turned out, you know, Governor Brown folded and said all schools will be open in January, and that was to maneuver around being exposed on what I call a huge lie. And so for me, for me, it was those circumstances. I was like, okay, I've got to run for governor because we we need a governor who tells people the truth, who, who wants people to take control of their own health, to understand that vitamin D and zinc and vitamin C and E and all that is actually useful against viral infection. And, and that there are a lot of things we can do to keep each other safe and and to save lives see and that that i i told my staff early on if you get covid call your doctor immediately to let them know that you've been diagnosed and that and they can based on your own health profile because your doctor knows you they can decide if you need early steroids or if you need to go to the hospital earlier because remember early care save lives right <laughs> if you need what were the the the, the treatment and um, you know and, and Florida proved that it worked um, uh, the, the monoclonal uh, antibodies yeah monoclonal antibodies I'm sorry I couldn't remember that yeah so yeah you know if you're if you're you know the age group where you can get uh, proactive monoclonal antibodies which were shown to be very effective at saving lives especially for people 65 and older well that should have been standard the government should have been pushing that but that's not what happened what happened was it worked so well in Florida that the federal government took control of the supply of monoclonal antibodies. And then we had a national shortage. And you have to wonder, right? You have to wonder if that wasn't on purpose. Oh, I'll tell you what happened. I got COVID. I got it when Delta was going around and it was the end of October and it hit me hard. And I was like, well, shit, this is not going to be fun for my parents. (laughs) This is 
And I have access to, okay, I'm an ND. I've been an ND a long time. I know all about how to treat viruses acutely and chronically. I'm very well versed at it. I know all about high dose intravenous vitamin C being very effective. That was coming out of China early on. We couldn't talk about it. And those who did were immediately brought in under investigation by the Department of Justice and the FTC in Oregon, specifically in Oregon, the FTC and the department. I don't know if you know that, but in Oregon specifically, the Department of Justice and the FTC started coming down on naturopathic physicians in particular and chiropractors and shutting them up like week one of the pandemic. And some of my friends are still dealing with that investigation to the tune of massive amounts of money, massive amounts of stress. One lost their merchant services. This is no joke. My lawyer called me week one and said, shut your mouth and don't say anything on social media. And so that was all happening specifically in Oregon, which I thought was weird, mm -hmm. right? That that's weird. <laughs> I was like, why Oregon? What's Oregon got to do specifically with the whole nation? And then uh, when I got COVID, you know, many moons later, October, 2021, I called around to make sure I called my mom and I said, Hey mom, call your doctor, call dad's doctor, make sure you have access and you know exactly where to go to get monoclonal antibodies. Cause there's a window. So my mom called her doctor. They had no idea what she was talking about. My dad called his doctor. He had no idea what they were talking about. I told my mother-in-law call Kaiser immediately find out from your doctor Kaiser, where you can go to get monoclonal antibodies. They're free. Make sure you have the window. Cause I'm going to make the call when you need to go. She, her doctor had no idea. Kaiser never called her back. And when she finally got an answer, they had no idea. So I started calling around Salem cause I live in Yamhill County. I started calling around Salem. I live in Amity, started calling around McMinnville, um, went on the federal website, went on the state website, went on the County website, called every number on there. Couldn't get phone calls back. Couldn't figure out how to send my husband. My husband refused. He was like, I'm not playing in any part of this. I'll get through it. But it was so challenging. As a physician, I was trying to locate monoclonal antibodies for my patients or potential patients, and I could not find them. And then I started calling pharmacies, asking pharmacies, hey, can you help me figure out how to access this if the need were to arise? Because I'm really thinking about my parents. I'm like, they're going to get hammered by this. My dad's probably not going to make it through this. Started talking to my colleagues. This is the truth. A couple of my colleagues had connections. They knew specific pharmacies to get it. They knew pharmacies that would drop ship it to the patient the next day. There are nurses who will come to your house and administer it. So I had the hookup. And again, privilege. I understand I have this privilege, but I cannot tell you how many phone calls, texts, and messages I had to send to colleagues, pharmacies, doctors, hospitals, centers to get any freaking answers. And I, I was blown away and I put a post on social media like, it shouldn't be this challenging. The fact that I'm past COVID now, husband's past COVID, everybody's fine. So I finally had you know a few hours to dedicate to this. I couldn't believe how challenging it was for me to even locate where to send a person where I to need to. Somebody chimed in and said, oh, I'm a nurse in Salem. I haven't found any problem with it. And I never followed up because time passed and I didn't follow up to find out where she got that info. But I'm like, why the heck was that so hard? Yeah, I can tell you why. Because monoclonal antibodies worked. They saved tons of lives and they gave people hope. And in the, in the woke world, we can't do that. We need fear, not hope. Right. And, and uh, so we need to restrict the supply. We need to make it difficult to get so that people will do what we want them to do so that we can we can beat this virus. I mean, the, look, it was idiocy from the get go. OK, so they the, I mean, the 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 it was cooked into the sauce. So they talked about the Spanish flu in 1918. OK, and it went around the world twice and, and died out in 20, 1920. 
killed six and a half million people based on estimates, right? There were no big airplanes in those days. And it went all the way around the world. Right. Now let's think about that. Okay. And it was a flu. This is a coronavirus, which is even more contagious, right? Slightly, right. usually in general. Um, um, but don't worry, we can beat this and we can we can snuff out COVID and and not, uh, I mean, look, you had to be, you had to have your head up some kind of orifice to believe that. <laughs> there was no credible sign. I'm going, wait a minute, we knew. And then when they said they had a vaccine to it, I was like, hey, wait a minute, we knew in the 90s, late 80s and 90s that you why you couldn't get a vaccine to a coronavirus due to the mutation rate and that each new strain works around any any vaccine you might create. We've known this for for 40 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. No, the data on the SARS-CoV-1, the original SARS virus, I, the, before it hit our shores, I was reading up as much as I could get. I knew, I knew I was like, this smells weird. I better read all this data before it disappears from the internet. And SARS-1, there were cases in China in apartment complexes where it was going through the air duct system. There were cases in hospitals where entire wards were getting infected that were isolated from the other wards that were on lockdown because of the air duct system. I mean, there's no way to contain this, right? This is, then somebody yelled at me and said, you mean if I step into an elevator and somebody has been sneezing in the elevator a few minutes earlier, that it could be in the air. And I said, yes, <laughs> that is correct. You cannot hide from this mm-hmm. plexiglass. I mean, the amount of plexiglass and plastic and masks that have polluted our planet is mind boggling, mm-hmm. but they actually thought a plexiglass divider between myself and the clerk at the grocery store was going to protect the clerk. It's just lunacy. Well, and you know, um, I mean, yeah, well, you said it so beautifully. Lunacy is what it was. So it does, it didn't make sense. Uh, people that had a little bit of almost hysteria, and then the government got to grow its power and control. But here's the the thing that's so devastating is, what did the government get right? Right. Can, Good question. <laughs> because if you ask Governor Brown, she says she handled the pandemic nobly based on statewide data. Look, we got 4.3 million people in this state, and it's a huge state huge geographically. I, I know because I'm running for, for governor and I've been all over it. <laughs> we have thing, a very big state. We have an awesome you, state. We have a beautiful have a, state. You have a naturopathic doctor taking care of you too. Yes, so you. I do actually. <laughs> and believe me, I've been doing much better, more energy, more stamina. I've been so much healthier. And since I do the preventative regimen, we can get to that here in a second because uh, that's one of my favorites. I, I'm a now a true believer. Why? Because I've lived it and I've experienced it for myself. And I'm not saying I, you know, I won't go take an, an antibiotic someday if I get strep throat or something. I'm not saying I won't. What I'm saying is if I do my job and take control of my health on a preventative basis, um, I'm going to need those things a lot less. And I think in the long run, that's good for me. And so, but but the, the whole point for me is what did they get right? See, and, and scaring people, testing messages like you referenced, to create the massive amount of fear, to create compliance. Now we're in high school saying, man, I shouldn't have done that. My parents might find out, hmm, what story can I make up that my parents might believe that exonerates me or puts me in the best light so that I don't get grounded for three weeks? That's literally the level of maturity of Governor Brown. See? And the funny thing is, you you can't do leadership that way. Watch this. Watch this. Ready? 
tell people the truth, empower people, let them know that there are a lot of things they can do to, to build up their defense against this potential virus, a virus that is going to be mild for some and severe for others. Am I right? Oh, there's a thousand percent difference in risk for young versus old on this one. Sure. A thousand times difference. And so why not tell people that? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, if, hey, you're, if you're not at risk, you're not at risk. Let's, let's get yeah. back to living. Yeah. If you're healthy and you're 35, you're probably going to be fine. Why can't we say that? There is a risk, but you're probably going to be fine. We recommend you do these things. So why didn't the government send out vitamin D, C, and E, and zinc? Say, everybody take your vitamins. We're going to send these kits so that everybody in the state has access to good preventative care. So there's prevention, right? Then there's uh, diagnosis. So if you know you have COVID, now that I have COVID, what do I do? First thing you do is you call your general practitioner, let them know. They can have prescriptions for steroids and other things that will help treat your symptoms. Yeah. Called into the pharmacy in the event that you need them. Well, that's called treating things or, or they can get you in for monoclonal antibodies or they can, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, wouldn't that have made sense? Oh, yeah. And we knew, we knew, I mean, I knew something was off when hydroxychloroquine was politicized. That yeah. that would have probably still been standing had not everybody decided to hate Trump so hard. And not that I love Trump, but I was uh, I was like, wow, that was a political move. And the whole ivermectin vilification, cheap cheap, inexpensive, well-tested drugs given to how many countless of humans over the last, how many countless years and suddenly, oh no, those are dangerous. Well, the can't, can't have those. The developers of ivermectin only won the Nobel prize for saving human lives all over continents like Africa and Southeast Asia and yeah. uh, down in the Caribbean and Latin America and, and uh, Texas and Florida, you know, so the comedy of it is, is it, we, we praised that medicine for 30 years, right? And then suddenly when it became politically not convenient, we called it horse dewormer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So, and so, which is the same thing that hydroxychloroquine does. It kills, you know, plasmids, malarial plasmids. It can kill worms. Uh, but it also knocks back your immune system and reduces your cytokine storming effect. Now, that's why they use it for lupus and, and some arthritic or ritic kind of conditions. Yeah. And, um, you know, and the thing is, I have a member of my family. Um, I myself was on uh, Plaquenil when I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at 30 years old. I was on it for a couple of years. It's very safe. I'm glad you have a naturopathic doctor now. Yeah. Rheumatoid arthritis at 30 is no fun. No. Yeah. I found out that my diet wasn't, big. <laughs> you know, well, I have less uh, arthritis at 50 than I did at 30, but a lot of that is just getting wise and, and changing what I eat and paying attention to my body. I know this is crazy talk. I know it's, it's, it's heresy. Um, that, that was the part that, so every fall I get my entire family ready with vitamin C, zinc, D. I make everybody in my family get as much sun exposure as they can during the summer to build up their vitamin D stores. Every fall we get ready because I don't like take, you know, I'm the token doctor. I'm the one that has to hear about it. I don't like hearing about it. <laughs> I don't want to be everybody in the family's doctor. So I'm like, everybody get your shit together in the fall. Mm -hmm. So that come winter time, we're good. And I tend to get pneumonia. I tend to have a lot of lung issues. And so for decades, vitamin C, zinc, D, 
you know, all the things have been standard of care in our household. All my patients know that as well. And now suddenly we're not allowed to talk about it. Suddenly that's off. That's all. Oh gosh. That's just crazy talk. What are you doing? Foods can't make a difference. What you, and I, from day one was sharing out studies coming out of China saying, Hey, if you're diabetic or your blood sugar is dysregulated, i.e. 88% of America have met, has metabolic issues. 88% of Americans have metabolic issues. And I'm like, Hey, we're kind of sitting in a hot mess here. This might be bad. We might, we might want to make some changes. Oh, you're a terrible human. You want grandma to die. How dare you? My own colleagues are attacking me. And I'm like, isn't this common sense that if your blood sugar is jacked up and you're pre-diabetic, which most Americans are, do you realize that? And I know you do, but we talk about obesity rates in America, but they never talk about overweight rates. If you combine the obesity rates with the overweight rates, we're looking at like 70, 80% of Americans easily. And so I knew we were sitting in a hot mess and this was going to be particularly bad on America. And I was desperately trying to get the word out because you know, because you've been working with a naturopathic physician, when you change your diet, Now we may not see massive changes on labs for a few months, even, but you know, you start to feel better. Your inflammation starts to decrease immediately. All of the things start going right. Your immune system starts working better. You know this because you've lived it right as a rheumatoid arthritis patient. So, and if you eat something off, you feel it, right? These are minor nuances and changes, but if that message had gotten out early and it was blasted across all of America or even statewide or countywide, I think hundreds of thousands of people would not have died. Mm -hmm. True. But then they wouldn't have been afraid. They wouldn't have locked themselves away. They wouldn't have divided themselves and their families, and they wouldn't have ceded all kinds of power to uh, an all-powerful government that was supposed to protect them. That now, post-COVID, the statistics and data are just just devastating. You know, Mm -hmm. we now have, I mean, the, the medical system, you know this, they're not putting it in the newspaper, but they are preparing to treat people with vaccine injury. Yeah. I mean, just look at the VAERS thing. It just goes, yeah. <laughs> and, and know. Um, you know, the nice, it's nice terrible. article and research coming out that was in the Epoch Times. So people don't think I'm crazy and just making things up. And the Epoch Times, it, you, they cited the source study of the article they wrote, but I was, I was absolutely horrified that children ages nine and under have a higher chance of being vaccine injured than they do of being hospitalized with COVID. This is crazy. Why are we, why are we recommending these shots for young people? And myocarditis can be permanent. It can be life-threatening. There are more people, I have to write up the blog post and cite the study, but there are more people currently uh, are suffering with heart inflammation significantly more in the vaccinated group than the unvaccinated group. Well, any, any, any emergency room doctor will tell you that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've talked to some down where I live down South and um, you know, when you get them one-on-one, they yeah. open up yep. and they're like, yeah, they say it's not, but this is what we're seeing. In other words, if you say, Hey, what kind of conditions are you seeing? Don't tell me names. Don't tell me identifiers. Don't tell me ages, just, just in general. And what you just said is, is what I've been consistently hearing. Mm -hmm. And Walgreens, I don't know where they got their data, but I will cite the source in my blog as well. Walgreens showed a graph of the breakdown of the Omicron variants, because people don't seem to understand that there's like multiple versions of Omicron floating around and some are far more infectious than others. And again, that's not concerning. I'm actually like when Omicron came out, I realized it was going to be quite mild. I was like, all right, mom and dad, let's go. You guys have been free of COVID probably because my mom is on hydroxychloroquine for her, 
autoimmune <laughs> issues. <laughs> My dad's on some other drugs that have been shown to be efficacious, yep. like SSRIs. Yep. So I'm like, and they're okay with me sharing that, by sure. the way. Um, I was like, let's go, let's get the Omicron and get it over with. You guys are going to sail through this. This is good news. Like we want everyone to get Omicron. Omicron is actually the inoculation against the big bads. If there's ever a bad variant that comes through, Omicron is actually going to protect you. This is great. This is basic biology. This is basic sciences. And no, 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 no. We had to like freak out about the cases again. And everybody had to go get tested. And it all turned into this big nonsensical, again, The it just people love it. They're, it gets their dopamine going. They're addicted at this point. They're like, yeah, let's be terrified again. And everybody lock up and stay away from each other. And I see it manifesting in such crazy ways that what I see in Oregon happening now is adults walking around with no masks on and kids walking around with masks on with their parents. Un their parents are unmasked. The kids are masked. And it clearly at this point is a safety thing, like, or like a binky. It's like a soothie, like the kid, it's like kids who wear their uh, Superman capes everywhere or their Spider-Man outfits everywhere. You know, that kind of scenario, you know, kids better than I do. True. And that part is like crushing my soul. And the other statistic that is crushing my soul is that the amounts of obesity in children have doubled since the pandemic started, which is not helping situations. But back to my point, I'm sorry, I digress. No. The Walgreens uh, graph shows all the Omicron cases, and then it shows the unvaccinated we are winning like significantly less cases than those who are vaccinated in the, um, in, of the Omicron variants. And I'm like, okay, guys, when is Oregon health authority or anyone else going to look at this data? It's so mm -hmm. clear as day. What are, why is it not even being discussed? Well, because that it, discussing it would mean they were completely and utterly wrong. So yeah. they will continue this charade and they'll continue to malign and dox those who, who, who get up and tell the truth. This is why I'm running for governor, okay? Uh, I really believe it's important that we tell people the truth and that when we have a crisis like a pandemic, we give people good information, we empower them, and we, we give them, here's what we do for prevention, here's what we do if you get it, we want you to react and respond early so we can get treatment early. Instead, they just said, you know, if you get COVID, you've done something wrong and you need to trust us and we're going we're gonna to shut down the virus. I mean, look, more people have died under Joe Biden, okay, according to their statistics. It got so bad, remember, they started saying, uh, well, now it's not really death of COVID. It's now with COVID. Remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. They, they, turn, they, they call you a villain for saying the things and then they turn around and say the things you were saying. And you're still the villain. Like yeah, that's that's been the charade the whole time. There's a name for it. It's called incompetence. Yeah. Our government was incompetent. They didn't want to tell us the truth. They wanted to believe the narrative, the ideology, or whatever. And remember, it's so, and what it did is it fueled every conspiracy under the sun. I'm not a big conspiracy person, but even I was like, something's up with this. This doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and now we have division in society that is just absolutely rampant. We have masks that are now a political ideology, even though they don't make any sense. I was just interviewed by a young um, a reporter in Lynn County. And not only was he hostile, okay, but um, and very untruthful in his questioning and reporting. But I literally said, your mask is making me uncomfortable. He was the only person in the entire building of a Republican forum that had a mask on. 
And yet his hubris was unaffected where he began to lecture me about how he's responsible and I'm not. And then I reminded him that Governor Brown, his hero, has lifted the mask mandate. And then he accused me of being the real reason for that, which I took as a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. I took a <laughs> but this is what I'm saying is it's insane. Here is a young man, otherwise very intelligent, capable. Obviously, he's a reporter. He's, he writes articles. He's capable of stringing sentences together, who is so indoctrinated that he's not able to think through the mountain of evidence right in front of his eyes that we are safe to be unmasked in this society in this time moving forward. You see what I'm saying? That's uh, psychosis. Yeah. It's that is a- what is unhealthy because he chose to believe the lie. And then he has to believe the lie because he's so bought in yep. that you have to continue with it. And the, the fear conditioning, um, I read a book. I don't know if you've seen it. I wanted to buy you a copy and send it to you to empower you during these last few weeks of hopefully, hopefully not the last few weeks, but the till the primaries. Um, It's called Coddling of the American Mind. Have you heard of that book? I have not, but I'd love to read it. They break it down so beautifully what's happening. And they talk about, I found this so interesting, generation, not, uh, not millennials, but they call it the iGen generation. They're right there in the middle when social media became a big thing. Mm-hmm. They're the group that entered college around 2013. Mm-hmm. So this, and you would know because you're the superintendent around children, this group was raised on social media. This is the group that is responsible for the safe spaces movement now <laughs> and the safetyism. And they just, they explain it from a sociologic standpoint. My undergrad was, uh, my minor was in sociology. And so I, I, you know, how humans think and function together is always blown my mind. And it really breaks it down on these, these, this, these false thoughts of, you know, feelings are more important than facts. And, you know, if you say intent is not considered anymore, right. It's like, if you say something and and maybe you say it, or, you know, sometimes you'll hear older folks or people say something and it's, it's a, it's like a times, you know, my dad will say something a little off color. And I'm like, dad, that's actually not okay to say anymore. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. there is some political correctness. That was really the term in my generation was political correctness, but it's gotten to the point where people won't even look at intention anymore. If there's no intention of harm, but it's still considered violence now by these individuals. And so this iGen generation really shifted the culture in, in higher education, which has now leaked across the world and shifted our culture during this pandemic time. And it's just mind blowing. It's like, ah, it's this overreaching idea of safetyism and mm-hmm. how somehow you not wearing a mask put his life in danger and therefore you're the problem and you must have convinced governor brown individually to drop mask mandates and etc it's that just it's, convoluted it's it's really doing a disservice to these young people to be coddled in that way well look at the early social media was about people saw one image of you on facebook and then there was the reality right right i i saw that when facebook became prominent i I remember thinking, why is it that everyone's life is better than mine? Because when I would look at Facebook friends, everybody was going on vacations. Well, what they weren't telling you is they were renting the car. They were racking up debt. Um, you know, they were they were they took the vacation because they were near divorce. Right. And and none of that went on Facebook. See, 
And so it became a culture of what do I want people to believe and what is my image and my virtues that I want to present versus the real world reality. Now, the good news is, is that shift is this new generation coming up. They're in middle school right now. Um, they are profoundly conservative, these young, this next generation of kids. And I saw that coming up in the school system. They believe in the country. They don't buy their parents uh, horse malarkey about, you know, over controlling this and that. Uh, they want to be able to uh, uh, go out and explore the world, they, you know, and uh, and I'm seeing and they're they're becoming rugged individuals. And I oh, know this. Be- happy. Well, I know this because I worked the booth in the early campaign in Lane County Fair. This is a true story. And I, I was new, new candidate. I got a got me a, a three hour session at the Lane County Republican booth. And uh, I saw they were selling all kinds of patriotic wear, right? Well, I, you know, I love engaging with people. So I stood out in the traffic flow and I'm like, anybody, hey, anybody need a patriotic uh, uh, swag? We got Trump hats, we got Second Amendment, anybody? And of course, all these young people, middle school, high school age kids in droves. Um, I sold so many hats and, and flags and, and liberty <laughs> paraphernalia that the, uh, the guy asked me to come back. <laughs> He said they never made so much money. It was like a couple of thousand dollars. You know? <laughs> and I, it makes me happy to know that kids are, I want them to think, I don't care what political party they belong to. I just want them to think. And I, you know, I was a liberal up until I told you that until all this started, I voted in this crew in Oregon and I sat my you're, daughter down and told her to vote them in too. You're forgiving. Uh, thank you. I, my dad, it was always, it was my daughter's first time voting. And my dad was like, so you're going to vote Republican, right? And I was like, don't listen to him. Cause my, my political leaning was in direct uh, rebellion against my father's always. Right. So I had sure. to be a liberal. I had to fight against, you know, rage against the machine. So I, I started actually paying attention during mm-hmm. all of this. And I realized that I, I, I don't necessarily, I I am much more of a moderate. I'm a libertarian, truly at my heart. I want to be left alone, but I am glad that young people are thinking and I'm glad that they are, if, if it, if it requires, if what has happened requires them to rebel against it, then so be it. Because I am so tired of watching my basic bill of rights be dismantled systematically mm-hmm. by safetyism and fear over a virus that is invisible and everyone's going to get. That's really what it comes down to. It's just like, you guys, there's no, there's, and there's no amount of staying inside and masking that's going to make any difference. And the virus is going to always mutate around the vaccine and the vaccine will never be able to keep up. In my opinion, that is my opinion that is based on science that I understand, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there'll be some stroke of luck. And I, I do wish everyone the best on that. I do think the bottom line is to get your health house in order and get your health in order so that you're not so susceptible because I did, I just, if you go into Google and you put in COVID US stats, it'll show you cases and deaths and it'll give you all the numbers right there. And you do some basic arithmetic and 99.99% of Americans have survived COVID thus far. Yes, many have died, but 99.99 have survived. And that's a number we're not hearing about enough. we We ought to be celebrating that. Exactly. Okay. We're doing pretty yeah. good. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing great. And uh, isn't it nice having real immunity? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. I, because I know. you have this thing called an immune system. I'm sorry, but we do, as you know. And it can be strengthened and it can be conditioned and it can be taught. Um, and uh, the, the issue is, is everyone knows you can't, you can't keep up with a coronavirus mutation rate with vaccines. That's never going to happen. 
It's not, it's not safe to do so. We need to get back to telling ourselves the truth and then encouraging people to take control of their own health. We need to uh, uh, restore naturopathic doctors to their proper place alongside MDs. So N natural NDs and MDs should be uh, have some parity in my opinion. And then here's the fun part is when I'm governor, I'm going to, I'm going to allow some flexibility so doctors can innovate. We had a lot of medical people lose their jobs over political issues that need to be compensated. And one of the ways I want to compensate them besides, um, um, you know, restoring their uh, dignity and and giving them some uh, lost wages and lost benefits, which they should have had. Because remember, if you didn't get the jab, you didn't get unemployment, which is crazy. That's insane. Um, and the, uh, the thing is, it's un-American, but I want to create flexibility because one of the ways you protect against institutionalized healthcare that can easily and readily be politicized is you restore the home visit, the, the, the doctor-patient relationship. Yes. You, you move licensing out of OHA and into something completely different, and you limit the medical board's ability right now, they have the power to over overrule a, an attorney law judge that might rule in favor of a doctor. And it might be politically inconvenient for the board, but the board can overrule them for the sake of politics. That is not health care. Politics and health care should be separate. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last thing, too, is we need to make it legal in Oregon medically for doctors and patients to engage in a process of finding what works. And that's where potentially safe but off-label use of drugs based on research should be allowed. And guess what? Hydroxychloroquine had indicators that it might be useful. SSRIs had indication. Heck, even licorice was known to have some effect. Um, And I like, you know, not the red stuff, and the, the dark licorice. Okay. I got to tell you a licorice story when you're done. <laughs> okay. but, but what I want people to understand is that we have a chance to elect a different kind of relationship with our medical community. One that creates lots of options, lowers costs, creates flexibility, and raises convenience for the patient in which instead of us having to leave work and go to the clinic, the clinic can come to us. Why not? We do it with mechanics now, right? They can come to your driveway during COVID and they fix your car in your driveway, right? And it's all the rage. It's like one of the fastest growing elements of, uh, of, of automobile maintenance. Why not with medicine? That's all I'm saying. I'm not a governor who's going to limit. I'm a governor who's going to set people free. So oh, that was my, my sales pitch. I know. I love it. I, I will say I have to give a lot of credit to our medical, our naturopathic medical board. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have always allowed for home visits. They uh, they are the one. We are the one physicians in the state who can prescribe ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. We well, hydroxychloroquine is pretty much out for everybody. But we there's been uh, no one's getting in trouble in the naturopathic profession for prescribing ivermectin. In fact, frontline doctors, the organization frontline mm-hmm. doctors, they are using naturopathic physicians. They're utilizing naturopathic physicians in Oregon. That's who has to actually write the prescription for ivermectin. So we have been given a lot of leniency and freedom in this. We've been allowed to treat our patients. I have not treated any COVID patients because I was out of practice when this started, but my colleagues are and have successfully been treating COVID patients throughout the pandemic, treating uh, all sequelae and, and long haulers. And none of my friends have lost a patient. None of my colleagues have lost a patient. 
very few have entered hospital. Yeah. If, if you get to them early and I got to say about licorice, I made a video that before the, it was actually the day the pandemic was declared. I made a video about how viruses work and how I'm understanding this virus to work based on what the studies were coming out of China. And I said, one, I said, there are lots of options naturally occurring to bolster your immune system. One of the ones showing up in the literature for this, because in China, they were using herbs very quickly. Mm -hmm. They were using classic, classic Chinese herbal formulas, et cetera. And one of them was licorice. And I mentioned the word licorice. I didn't say take it. I, in fact, said, don't take anything without checking with your doctor, because I'm a prudent doctor and I don't practice medicine on the internet. And oh my God, it started a firestorm. And all my colleagues were like, Tina, everybody, because my video went viral, like half a million views. And all all my friends were like, freaking Tina and the licorice. Like now everybody's calling their clinic going, can I get licorice? And licorice was selling out in some stores I heard, like the local (laughs) health food stores were like, we don't have any licorice. And so I started a massive licorice. But yeah, but listen, that that's like uh, that, you know, when Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, you know, it's it's like the media covering. It's a sad day for the candle industry. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, the thing is, if licorice works and people want to use it, it's in every health food store. You can buy it in liquid form. My favorite, though. And I know that we have obesity and all that, but there's nothing like, you know, black licorice. It's it's delicious. I recommend <laughs> a couple of those. You know, you get the little cubes. You just take them. It's great. Yeah, licorice. Got licorice in it. Licorice is a powerful substance. It can raise blood pressure in those susceptible, but otherwise it is wonderful. Ah. And it supports the adrenal glands, which I think is really important here. And this has nothing to do with politics, but mm-hmm. people's adrenal system is really what's crashing with COVID in my opinion. And licorice supports that system. That's what everybody's having trouble with these days is their poor yeah. adrenal system from all this chronic stress. So well, I wouldn't recommend daily licorice. <laughs> Always check with your doctor. We're not, yep. I'm not, I'm not their doctor, so I can't tell them. So I love this. So informed consent, you know, pay parity is an important topic for naturopathic physicians in Oregon and getting getting paid on par with medical doctors, Um, you know, autonomy, individual, individuals, medical freedom, the doctor patient relationship, like you said, really decisions should be made not from a pharmaceutical industry's drive, but from a doctor and patient relationship. And what I saw constantly was doctors who were smart and prudent saying, Hey, you know what? You're not really high risk. I don't recommend the vaccine for you. Or you know what? You've actually got some complications and some other issues going on. I don't think this is a safe vaccine for you. That was early on in the vaccination process. And that shifted quickly to all doctors feeling fear that if they didn't recommend it for everybody, that their license would be at risk. And that's true stories from colleagues that I have heard. And it's heartbreaking for doctors to be feeling fear to not tell their patients what is best for their patients. Well, I could not agree more. And that's what, again, if it doesn't make sense, it's politics. And we have a tyrannical um, one size fits all Oregon health authority. You didn't want to rip on them. I'm just telling people the truth. Um, You know, I was up against three Democrat gubernatorial candidates a while back in a, in a residence home. It was a lot of fun. And if I could criticize my Democrat opponents, I would say two things. One is in when you're in a room and the youngest person in the audience is 74, don't, and, and nobody up in front of them is 74, don't lecture people about how they should be living their life or how many loads of laundry they should be doing or, or how we should talk about climate change and, and feel bad for all the damage we've done to Mother Earth. I would have said that if they'd asked, but they didn't. 
Um, the other thing I would say is, is that when you stand up in front of people who have lived a lot of life is they, they tend to know when they're being lied to. And, and um, they, that, so if your answer to um, generalized um, COVID frustration in the audience, which is what I should have said that that was the original issue, um, is OHA is not bad. It's just really, you know, over inefficient and it needs to be, you know, made to be to work efficiently. That was the Democrat answer. So let me give you an example. If your answer to um, uh, ineffective government is more government, you're an idiot. Okay. The, the answer to ineffective government is reform and restructure and an institution of new policies and new maneuver boxes that require that entity to accomplish certain things. And the best way for that agency not to get it wrong is to do what you're talking about. Allow people to define for themselves whether they want a naturopath or an MD or both. Allow uh, doctors to maneuver and find what works for that patient. See the difference? And then suddenly the government looks good because yep. we're allowing that. The government's like, no, our doctors are our experts. We need to let them maneuver. And guess what inevitably will happen? And it, it did eventually happen, even though it, the government opposed it. They found things that worked. It's a miracle. Monoclonal antibodies, early, early steroids for people at risk, vitamin D and zinc. Um, um, I mean, I know this is crazy talk, licorice. You see what I'm saying? And, and this is what I'm getting at. Look at that beautiful relationship. If government wants to be successful, it shouldn't attempt to define reality and truth. It should say, we are here to be an empowering source. We're here to help provide some structure in the system. Uh, but at the same time, we're allowing for flexibility of practitioners and we're being responsive to data on the ground and feedback in a, <clears throat> in a non-politicized way. I know we're going to have to end this session because I think we're getting long, but I think we're getting crazy here. I know that's that's a <laughs> lot of reasonableness. I don't want to put too much reasonableness on your plate, Dr. Because you already make way too much sense. I make too much sense. I'm an enemy yes. that way. I'm dangerous, apparently. <laughs> But am I, um, so anyway, I'd love, you know, what do you think about that? Would that, are we on the same page? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll, I'll say from a case standpoint, when I treated myself versus treating my husband versus treating my daughter, I treated us all completely differently, completely differently. Even, even some of these drugs and therapies that you and I have mentioned in this podcast did not apply to everyone. It's not a one size fits all model. Every patient is an individual in each person's ecosystem and biochemistry shifts differently and responds differently. So well, that clearly, is what, me that's medicine. That's clearly, how medicine is. Clearly done. we're both biologically trained in biology because <laughs> that's one of the things they teach us. As you know, when you study biology <laughs> in college, they tell you everybody is, is somewhat unique. Yep. And so no, no one size fits all. Right. And we have to be able to be open and flexible to maneuver on a dime. And that's the stringent policies put on us by local or just statewide in this state. And what I've seen across the country is uh, it's despicable, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yep. Wow. This has been very refreshing. I know this has been a good session for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Okay. Well, what's up? What does everyone to do? I, it, if you're if you're registered as a Republican, vote for Mark. That's my yes. plug. 
I strongly recommend that. And if anybody wants to uh, donate or, or chime into my campaign, you can go to Mark. It's Mark with a C. Uh, C stands for conservative. So markfororegon.com. You can donate, volunteer. If you need a yard sign, there's still time. We can, we'll get one to you. And uh, get on the bandwagon and join the movement because the campaign has taken off. I don't know if you know, but we, we had a big win at the Dorchester Conference in the straw poll, which is kind of a Obviously, it's a straw poll, so I'm not saying it's indicative of uh, of the entire state, but it is still a lot of fun. And uh, I won by 61% of the vote. Wow, um, good job. And I think I won by that because people liked my message. It's a message of openness and empowerment and truth, and it just makes a lot of sense. People seem to gravitate to it, so I'll leave it with that. I love it. Well, I will put all the links for the audience in the uh, in the show notes. You guys can find Mark apparently on TikTok. You yeah, said, yeah, and on Instagram. And Mark with the C that helps me every time I go to type you a message on Instagram. I'm like Mark with a C. Yep. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark, for coming on. This has been so fun. Uh, <laughs> I hope everybody listens to this episode. And for those who are not in Oregon, I hope this gave you a clear picture of what's been happening here. Amen. So, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Keep up the good work, Dr. Tina. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.